Good morning. It's my honor to welcome you here this morning to East Hazel Baptist Church. We're so glad that you chose to worship here today. And what a privilege it is for us to be able to worship. In Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. You know, the older I get, um, the more... And I know you do too. The more you long for heaven, you, you, the more you long for that day when we'll be in his presence, all things will be made right. But until then, we have the privilege to be here this morning to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And I hope that you can do that today. We do want to welcome you here if you're visiting with us. And before you leave, we would encourage you to stop by our guest table located in the lobby. 
Uh, you can get a guest bag there that has information about our church, a little booklet there. It's got some candy in the pocket that you're not supposed to know about, but it is in there. And I hope that you enjoy that. But please stop by there and also encourage you to uh, fill out a guest card. You can fill out the care card that's in your bulletin. There's also a QR code. It's a simple way to do that. But please, uh, we would love to have a record of your visit with us. But if you would, go ahead and stand. And as you're standing, I want to make one quick announcement. And that is just to look at your bulletin today. Uh, take a minute to do that. There's several ministry opportunities. One of those is the Women on Mission are collecting canned goods and specific items for the Christian Crisis Center that we provide monthly support to. So uh, if you want to be able to help with that, there are blue bins located in a couple places in the church, and throughout the month of February, they will be in charge of collecting that and getting that to the Christian Crisis Center. But take just a minute as we begin to worship, greet your neighbor, and welcome them to the service.
saved, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you so much. As we, as we come to this time of prayer here at East Hillsville Baptist Church, I know we're typically mentioning people who have health issues, but that's one aspect of ministry. Uh, we've been asked by Paul Hartman's family to remember him in prayer, and I'm just going to read what Dave Basler gave me. You may remember Paul Hartman, who used to be a member of our church before he moved to Pennsylvania. Now, now Paul is 96 years old, okay? And Paul has written three books. We have some of those books in the office. Just a wonderful person. This past Thursday, Paul had a heart attack. He had surgery on Friday to remove a blockage in his heart and was expected to be able to come home by today or tomorrow. But we just learned yesterday that there's another blockage in his heart that the doctors were not able to remove. So please pray for Paul and his family. So they've requested that during this time we pray for him. Also, Connie Bryant, her husband, Randy, passed away. Uh, and she asked us to pray for her as well and continue to remember Zach and Indy in prayer. And we also want to thank God for what he's doing in Junior Woods' uh, life with his help. Uh, we've been praying for Junior and Anita for a long time, or George, as you, I call him Junior. Uh, but just we just want to thank God for that. Aren't you thankful that God hears and listens to our prayers? And this time, this time is set aside. This is kind of like our invitation. You can pray for anything that you want to. I've listed names where members of our church would ask for you to pray for them. If I was sick, I would ask for you to pray for me. We're going to encourage you to do that. You can stay there where you are and pray. There's just something about coming forward, okay? I don't do a big push at the invitation time at the end of the service because that's a different time. But I would encourage you to come this morning and come as a family or an individual. And let's lift each other up. Let's thank God for our salvation. And let's pray for those who have asked, okay? So as the choir leads in this, in this time of prayer, if you will, meet me here at the altar this morning. Holy Spirit, fill us with your fire, give us your desires, hold us close to you. Holy Spirit, give us revelation, a healing visitation, nothing Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you, Lord, that we belong, Lord, to not just a church, but a church family. And Father, there are members of this church. Some are not here. They're in other states, like Paul, who still considers this church his church. And Lord, I pray that you would touch his body. Lord, he served you faithfully. And Lord, I pray for his, his children, Lord, his caregivers. Lord, you bless and help him. Lord, one of the greatest things you can do for Paul today is just let him know how much you love him. And Lord, I pray that you'd fill his life and that room that he's in with your presence. And Lord, just, just, just help him during this time. Father, for these other requests that were mentioned, Lord, we thank you for the good visit we had with Connie Friday. Lord, only you can heal the hurt that comes with death. And Lord, she's hurting. Lord, your word says to mourn with those who mourn. And Father, I pray that you would let her know how much you love her as well. Father, we continue to lift up Zach and India and their situation. Lord, we're just praying for uh, Lord healing there. Father, thank you for the good news that George got. Lord, I want to thank you for Junior and Anita and their faithfulness to this church and to you. And Lord, pray that you continue to meet their needs. Lord, every name in our bulletin is, means something to somebody. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't fail to pray for them. Lord, I pray for this service today. That Lord, continue to bless in the singing. Lord, I pray that during um, the time for the message, Lord, that you would encourage us as we, uh, Lord, really learn how much you love us and how much our salvation means to us and to you and, Lord, for how you planned that out. And, Father, we want to thank you for all that you do for us and pray that we'd never take these times for granted, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Holy Spirit, fill us with your fire. Give us your desires.
darkness will break. I'll keep on singing your praise. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Shadows will fade. Darkness will break. I'll keep on singing your praise. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Shadows will fade. Darkness will break. I'll keep on singing your praise. Thank you, choir. Is that not a blessing? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you so much for that. Here we are. And I got somebody's book I'm putting in here, so just so you'll know. As they're going down, I do want to mention that next Sunday will be our new members class. And Class 101 uh, is what we call it, is a requirement for membership. And this will be, uh, of course, the first one of the year and maybe the, the only one we have until summer. So if you're interested in church membership, I would encourage you to take this one. Uh, we know that it's uh, Super Bowl Sunday, um, but Dallas is not playing, so it doesn't matter, all right? So it hadn't mattered for 25 years, as a matter of fact. But, um, but to, do take it. Um, we'll be meeting in the conference room at 5 p.m. If your children are in student ministry or children's or WANA, uh, they'll still have time to go there. We'll be done by 6.30. Anyway, we'll give you a tour of the church. We'll tell you what we believe, and that's the most important aspect of a church. What does that church believe? What, does the, what, do, what do the staff believe? What are the core doctrines? Uh, we'll also tell you how to join. If you want to join these Tales of Baptist Church, we never pressure people to join. I will not call you up and beg you to join. We don't do that. Uh, we have between 12 and 1,500 members here already. So it's not about that. We want you to make a good decision about the church you should join. We've had people take the new members class and wait five to six years before they join. Some don't join, and that's okay as well. All right, But we do want you to understand we, have, we go over our policy here for using the buildings, uh, hospital visits, different things like that. You can ask any question you want to. We talk, Kevin will be in there with me. We'll talk about our budget, all those things. If you have any questions, uh, we would encourage you to take the class. If you're a member and you'd like to take the class, that's fine as well. It lasts about an hour and a half or less, okay, and we'll feed you and all those things. So uh, please, if you're, going to, if you're thinking about church membership, please take it this time. Also, we'll have a baptism on February the 26th, I believe it is, um, in the, and our service will be in the sanctuary. So if you're a candidate for baptism, please uh, uh, let us know. Uh, you, you have about a month to do that, and we'll schedule that baptism for Sunday. We try to make all this as easy as possible as we can on you, okay? If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at two verses this morning. Last week, we looked at one, if you'll stand with me. We're going to talk this morning about what, uh, if you're into theology, okay, and soteriology, and the study of all these things like I am, there is 101 debates on this, on this topic. But, what, but the bottom line is, is this, the Word is in there. We're going to talk about the Word. We're going to talk about how it was used in the Old Testament, how Jesus used it, how Paul used it, uh, give you my opinion on it, okay, and, uh, but what... 
what we need to understand is Peter didn't use these terms to start a debate, okay? He didn't. He used these terms so that the people who received this letter would be encouraged, okay? Because these people were persecuted. They were having a hard time. And Peter writes this letter, and he tries to encourage these people. And the very first thing he does is, number one, he gives his credentials, and then he talks about our great salvation. He says, I want you to understand what you got when you got Jesus. That's all that matters. We can debate about everything, can't we? We can, we can debate about Bible trends. I'm, I'm 52, getting ready to be 53. I don't got time to debate you anymore. All right? My debating days are over. All right? So, so let's just enjoy our salvation. Amen? And notice what the Bible says here in 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, this is very important. To the pilgrims of the dispersion. And then he lists where this letter is going. In Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And then he used this word, elect. He's talking about them. You are the elect. If you're born again today, there's no debate about it. You are of the elect. Okay? You are elect. Now notice, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You are the elect. You are according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That should humble you to the point that you never take credit for your salvation. That should humble you to the point that every time you come to this church or wherever, and there's worship songs, it should cause you to worship. You say, well, I've heard that song 50 times. The Jews sang the same songs every week. And it never got old to them. You are, listen, you are, if you're saved today, the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. That, to me, as a young Christian, now I made decent grades in school, wasn't the smartest kid. I sat around smart people, okay? Wasn't the smartest kid. But when God saved me, and I read that and understood it, it changed me forever. You are the elect, now get this, according to the foreknowledge of God, okay? Those words mean something. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for saving us. Lord, we want to thank you that... And your great plan this morning, Lord, you placed us here. Father, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, through the songs that have been sung, through the word that has been read, and through the sermon that's about to be preached, that, Father, through the Holy Spirit, that you would save for your honor and your glory. Lord, that's not something that man or woman can do. We pray for it. We share it. But, Father, that's a supernatural work that only you can do. And, Father, we pray that you would do it. And, Father, for those of us that know you, who've been saved, Father, many of us for years, Lord, I pray that it would never get old to us. Lord, it's easy to share something that we're excited about. And, Lord, these words today should make us excited. And, Father, thank you, Lord. We're humble today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So when Peter's writing, he's seeking to encourage Christians who are at that time just starting to be mistreated. They're persecuted for their faith, and they're scattered among five Roman provinces in modern Turkey. And he starts out, as we looked at last week, by giving them his credentials. He said, my name is Peter. That means the rock. Peter's the one who gave the first great confession of our faith. He's the one that went into the temple area, and he says, if you're going to be saved, it's only by Jesus. Nobody else. You're not going to be saved because you're Jewish. You're not going to be saved because you try to keep the Ten Commandments because we all fall short. You're going to be saved alone because of Jesus. And then he says, I'm an apostle. And in those days, that was an office, which is not an apostleship today. We, we go by the ministry of an apostle, but there are no offices of an apostle today. As a matter of fact, an apostle was one who had walked with Jesus before his resurrection and followed Christ afterwards. John, in 1 John, establishes his apostleship this way. He says, We proclaim to you the one, talking about Jesus, who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. John says, I've seen him. We have saw him with our own eyes. We've touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now, John says, now he's 90-something, we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He is eternal life. He was with the Father and was then revealed to us. 
we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. John was an apostle. I'm not an apostle. I'm a pastor. There are no apostles today in the, the office of such. There's only offices are elders and deacons. Okay, that's it in the church today. Okay, not apostles. But Peter is, what Peter is saying is this. He's saying, I am Peter and I am an apostle. He gives his credentials. Then he gives his soteriology, which is the study of salvation. A lot of books written on soteriology. Okay. When I was taking classes at Liberty, we had a lot of courses on soteriology, and everybody's got a little bit of a different opinion. All right? But the bottom line to me is this it does not matter. Share the gospel. That's all that matters. That's all ultimately that matters. Okay? That's ultimately all that matters. Peter shares the soteriology to encourage people. He talks to these suffering saints about their election and the benefits of this election. And what he's saying is this, even though the world mocks you and hates you and don't understand it, at that time, more so than now, he says, I want you to understand you're blessed because number one, notice on the screen, I am chosen by God. Look at that. You. Elect. If you're saved today, you've been chosen by God. Isn't that not an amazing thought? To me, it just, to me, it's just still hard to get over that. I mean, it's just still hard to get over that. Now, I grew up in Sugarloaf, right? And I've been chosen by God. Free lunch kid, chosen by God. I mean, really? Notice, Peter says, you're chosen. That word elect means chosen. Now, think about this. Ek lego is the verb. Ek lego. Words matter. It means called out ones or ones that are chosen out. It's the ones who have been chosen for oneself. Somebody chooses you out of a larger group. It implies a relationship between the one choosing and the object chosen. The tense means at a specific time he chose for himself of his own will. October 30th, 1990, about 7.25 p.m., an exact mile from where I'm standing in town is where I was chosen by God. Okay, saved. And we'll talk about my response to that. Wayne Barber, who is one of the great preachers you've probably never heard of, who's with Jesus now, one of the great ones. He talks about this word, eklego, in the verb form. He says it means kindness and the grace of the one choosing is implied in this verb. In other words, the choosing was all out of God's kindness, all out of God's love. So when you think of your salvation, that's what you think of when you think of eklego. You think of being blessed in Christ, but you think of being chosen in Christ. The scriptures say a lot about this. Jesus told us in John 6, 44, now notice on the screen. He says, no one, notice it's an absolute negation, no one. You're not getting around that, those two words. No one can come to me unless the Father's Spirit draws him. No one. Nowhere. Not going to happen. So what happens is, is whenever somebody shares the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts, right? That word uh, draws, it means a lot in the, in the Greek. It means this, that word draws means, it means the idea of being almost irresistibly drawn. It's used in the secular Greek of a person who has been hungry for days and days and days and is drawn to food, irresistibly drawn to food. Nobody's making you eat. You're just drawn to it. Nobody, you're not a zombie. You don't get saved like this. That's <laughs> not what we're talking about. It's that for some reason God chooses to convict you and then you make a decision. See, on October 30th, 1990, nobody made me make a decision. But boy, I was drawn to Jesus. Life changing for me. Isn't it amazing how twins can sit in the same service, listen to me, and one gets saved and another one not? It's amazing, is it not? Isn't it amazing that the first day I went to church as a 20-year-old, after the prom, by the way, I was under great conviction. I was a mess. If you would have saw me on the inside, I was a mess. I, was, I would look around at people going, are y'all, why are y'all acting normal? I, I just didn't understand it, that God was just shaking me, drawing me to himself. I didn't understand it. 
I was just like, what in the world is going on? That's what the word means. But in that, now think about this. God also gives the responsibility of us to choose. Notice what John 3, 16 and 15 says. That whoever, look at the word whoever. Pas, P-A-S in the Greek. To all my Calvinist friends, whoever means whoever. Pas. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That means you got a choice. Whoever believes today, whoever believes today, that means to place your faith in Jesus, the one who rose from the dead, and your faith is only as good as the object you have faith in. A lot of people have great faith. They just have faith in their own object. Okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have ever slept. Look at the word world. That means the unredeemed of humanity. Whoever today, any of you, any, anybody here that places their faith in Jesus will be saved. One scholar says this. He says that whoever, that little word pos in the Greek, means everyone, anyone. It means whoever comes, not the ones I've chosen, not the ones I've rejected, but whoever. If you look at the Greek, it just absolutely opens it up that anybody at any time, at any place, can make the response to receive Jesus. J. Vernon McGee. How many of you remember J. Vernon McGee? The first set of commentaries I ever got, somebody gave me. I went to Millsville Baptist Church. They were J. Vernon McGee commentaries, and he said this. There are certain things which I believe that to me are not contradictory, but they are certainly are paradoxical. Election and free will happen to be the one of those. You can argue about divine election and free will all you want to, but it works. You can't make it work out by arguing, but it sure works out in life, friend. Isn't that the truth? Jesus said this, All that the Father gives to me will come to me. Now listen, And the one who comes... I was no, certainly no wise cast out. How is that word used in the Bible in the Old Testament? Moses informs the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. He's, notice what Moses said. God's speaking through Moses to the children of Israel. Why did God pick the Jews? Why? Look, this is what God says. The Lord your God has chosen you, that's the same word in the Hebrew that it is in the Greek, to be the people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples that are on the face of the earth, he chose you. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you are more in number than any of the other people for you are the least of all people but because the Lord loves you. It's an amazing thought. Why did God choose the Israelites and not the Parasites? Not the Parasites, <laughs> Philistines, the Hivites, I'm sorry. Don't choose Parasites, all right? Do not. Oh my God, I'll hear about that one. <laughs> now think about this. God talking to Moses himself in Psalm 106, that speaking, he said, therefore he said he would destroy them had not Moses, now listen, his chosen one, stood in the breach before them to turn away his wrath. Talking about David, the Bible says this, since the day that I brought my people, God speaking, people Israel from Egypt, I did not choose a city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house that my, that my name might be there, but I chose David to be over all my people Israel. He was a man after God's own heart. Jesus uses this word about the disciples when Jesus says this very firmly, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Jesus goes on to say, many are called, but few are chosen. It's used three times in all of it discourse, which we're studying on Sunday nights, which talks about end times. Notice what Matthew 24, 22 says on the screen. Jesus says, unless those days had been cut short, talking about the end of time, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. It's not going to be on the screen, but he also says this, God will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky. The apostles were chosen. The Bible says, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. At the Last Supper, Jesus says this, I am not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate with my bread has lifted his heel against me, talking about Judas. Notice Paul's calling in Acts 15, 16. Notice on the screen. Talking to one of, his, one of the servants of the early church. 
The Lord said, to, I believe it was Ananias, he said, Go to Paul, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. Now, Paul was walking along the Damascus Road, and God just appeared to him. Paul was killing Christians, and God appeared to him. And Jesus said, Paul, is it hard for you to kick against the goads? A goad was something you would go to a bull with or something, to plow. God says, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with you, Paul, and you're kicking against me. Paul was killing Christians. He was Saul at the time. And then God blinded him. And Paul says, basically, Lord, what, do you, what would you have me to do? And, and, and God tells a man, he says, go and lay your hands on Paul and help him receive his sight. He says, go, here's why. For he is a chosen instrument of mine. And then he says what he's going to do. To carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much, notice, he must suffer for my, my namesake. God says, not only did I save Paul, but I gave him his ministry right off the bat. Guess where Paul went? To Gentiles, to kings, and to the children of Israel. Did Paul suffer? The only person I know that suffered more was probably Job. Paul. Notice what Paul says to the church at Thessalonica. He says this. I think it's going to be on the screen. He says, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. That's the word Paul used because he experienced it himself. Now notice what Paul says about evangelism. Does this stop us from evangelizing? Paul says this in 2 Timothy 2.10. He says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now Paul, who understood the doctrine of election, says, because of that, it's going to make me to evangelize to the point that I'm almost killed. What did Paul endure? Okay, If Paul thought everything was just left up to God, he'd just sit at home, right? And write letters. Notice, Paul says this to the church at Corinth. Talking about his sufferings. He says, I've suffered more than just about anybody. I'm paraphrasing that point. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently. Anybody want to volunteer to go to prison? I speak in prisons. I don't want to stay. I don't. In deaths, often from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Some simple calculations would indicate that Paul was assigned to a total of 200 stripes by Jews and actually received 195 being inflicted. That's on different occasions publicly. Anybody want to get flogged publicly? Three times I was beaten with rods. This was a Roman method of scourging. It sometimes resulted in death. And Paul says, I, I took that three times. Why? So I might... Share the gospel with the elect. Don't make sense, does it? Once I was stoned. He's not talking about CBD oil. Okay? He says, once I was stoned. Stoning was the usual Jewish, Jewish mode of punishing blasphemy. So what they did was they took Paul out. The Jews did. Paul was a Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees. and says, because he's preaching Jesus has risen from the dead, we're going to drop him on his head down a cliff and throw rocks at him until he dies. And he was left for dead. Because of the elect. See, if, if your theology does not cause you to evangelize, throw your theology in the trash. Because it's not biblical. I don't care if you claim to be a Calvinist or not. I could care less. If your neighbor's lost, God tells you to share Jesus with them. Amen? God tells us to give them missions. God tells us to evangelize. I don't care what your theology is. Or your soteriology. A lot of people make excuses for being lazy. Paul did not. Paul says, I believe in election, and I've been beaten, I've been stoned, I was shipwrecked a day and night, and I've slept in the deep. He was on mission, and his ship went down, and it was hanging to a piece of wood. I'm done after that. And you people that go on cruises, you're weird. Don't be out in the middle of the ocean. Have you not watched Poseidon? Have you not seen that movie? I mean, don't do it. He says, journeys often. Then he says, that he uses this word peril, which means this, may die, may not. He just says, Perils in water, perils of robbers. Now get this, you're going to share the gospel God called you to and somebody robs you to the point that you think they may kill you. He says robbers, it happened over and over again. He said perils in the wilderness, which means maybe it was a guy, maybe it was an animal. And he kept going. To do what? He says, therefore I endure all things, all of them, for the sake of the elect, who he didn't know who they were, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. When Paul died, you know what I would have said? Rest well, Paul. 
32 years of that is what Paul did. Because God says, you're my chosen. You're this, what you, this is what I've called you to do, Paul. Somebody asked me, what are you going to do if you don't preach? I don't know, because God's called me to preach. Called me to pastor, that's it. I didn't ask to be a pastor. God called me to pastor. Okay? When God calls you to do it, you do it for the sake of his glory and for the sake of the elect. Listen to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said. He said, who are the elect? The whosoever wills. Spurgeon said, I'm quite certain that if God had not chosen me, I would never have chosen him. Tony Evans says this, God elects some to salvation for his own sovereign purposes and because he is gracious. The invitation to salvation is generously open for all and whoever will still may come. Charles Stanley says this, The Bible says God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians. Isn't that something? God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. And he does not spend 49 pages trying to explain that. He just says it happened, and it happened. We'll write books that are 49 pages trying to talk about what we understand about it, but we don't. Wayne Barber goes on to say this, God chose us in eternity past, that's divine election. We chose God in a moment in time, that's human will acting in faith on God's initiating work of grace. The Bible makes it clear that both are absolutely necessary for salvation. And in fact, Scripture tends to emphasize one of these truths in certain settings and the other truth in other settings. Salvation involves both. When Paul and Silas were miraculously released from prison, when the Philippian jailer heard them singing, he rushed out to where they are and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Notice what they didn't say. They didn't say, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because you've already been saved before the foundation of the world. Just believe and be saved, brother. My message to you today is this. God loves you so much, believe and be saved. But when you leave here today as a Christian, you better understand you've been chosen by God. The world may reject you. Your spouse may leave you. Your boss may fire you. But God chose you. That should be the most humbling aspect of your life. Why do you pray? Because you pray to somebody that loves you so much. You've been chosen. Think about that for a moment. That God knows all about you and still places his love on you. I'm chosen. Notice the second thing, and I'm going to do these next two really quick. I'm a pilgrim. Notice what Peter says. He says this, to the pilgrims of the dispersion, that means the scattering. In Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He's saying you're just pilgrims. Every one of you here, for those of you that have a house, I built my house. was blessed to be able to do it. Still paying for it. If you want to help me pay it off, though, 648 Shook Lane, you just send me a check, okay? We built a house. Listen, we built a house that we're going to leave to somebody else. You know why? Because I'm a pilgrim here. My vehicle is somebody else I'm leaving it to. Whatever I have in the bank, if I have anything, I'm going to leave it to somebody else. Why? Because I am a pilgrim here. Paul is trying to, trying to let these Christians from all different backgrounds, all different races. I know it's hard now, but listen, this world is not your home. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I, I share this a lot with you because I preach so many funerals that I've left gravesides going, I just don't understand this. I just don't understand it. If you knew the people like I did, the struggle they went through and how good and godly they were, I just don't get it. But I do know this, that the next life's better than this one, amen? You don't truly live till you die, friends. The Bible says that because Jesus rose from the dead, he took away the fear of death. Not the fear of dying. See, I'm not worried about death. I just want to die in my sleep. That's it. That's all I ask for, okay? The fear of death was a big, Job said it was the king of terrors, and God says, I just took it away. Why? Because you're a pilgrim here. That word scattering means this. To plant like you're planting seeds for something. There's something, the reason God sent you out is he's planting you for a purpose. Notice the map where all these people were in Turkey. Bithynia, the southern part of the Black Sea. Notice all that, that's, that's modern day Turkey. And God set these people out over 750,000 square miles. Jews and Gentiles. Born again. To do what? He spread them out share the gospel see God has placed you in a place that you are right now for a purpose outside of church I worked at Taylorsville upholstery 
okay, and Taylor King Furniture. And after God saved me, I knew I was there for more than just getting a check. Okay? And I thank God for the people I was able to share the gospel with. Saw many people get saved. Many. People that I noticed to this day, right? See, you're scattered. God may move you from one job to the other. There's a reason behind all that. God just don't place you in a neighborhood just for you to make your yard green. Okay? There's a reason you're there. God tells the people at Cappadocia, look, Cappadocia, I know you're struggling, but you're there for a reason. See, God places Christians, you, you can be one of two things. You can look at it this way. I heard one pastor say, it's kind of like manure. When you take manure and you spread it out, everything grows. You leave it piled up in a bunch, and guess what? It stinks. And I thought to myself, it stinks when it's spread out too, don't it? But anyway, God spread them out. And what God is trying to tell them is this. Listen, you're here on this planet for just a little while. Don't cling too tightly to the earth. Do all you can while you can. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. All right? And serve God to the end. The, the last thing is this. I am known and loved by God. Notice the verse, how, how Peter puts it. Elect according to the foreknowledge. Now we know God is omniscient. Look at the word knowledge. Two ways you can look at this, that God just knows all things, and he does. It's hard for me to believe that God wrote my, looked down at me saying, Oh, he's going to get saved in October of 1990. I better use his life. That kind of makes me in charge, don't it? Now, God, did God know that? He knows all things. But the word knowledge also means to love. It means to love. That's how it's used most of the times in the Bible. Listen to what one, how one scholar put it, and I love the way he put it. He says, though God is omniscient and knows all things, his foreknowledge is not re referring to knowing facts, but God knowing people in an intimate, saving relationship. To know throughout the Old Testament is used of the most intimate relationships, including intimacy between a husband and a wife. We see in Genesis 4 where God says, Adam knew his wife Eve, and they had a son. In the same way, the word God knew certain, the way God knew certain believers, even before they were born and chose them for salvation. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, God says, I knew you. I had a relationship with you, Jeremiah, before you were born. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knew Jeremiah in a saving, intimate relationship and called him to be a prophet to the nations before his birth. God is not saying that he knew Jeremiah would accept follow him and be a prophet. That is passive. God is actively setting him apart. God knew Jeremiah in an intimate relationship and called him to be a prophet before his birth. We also see that in a negative sense. Now, now listen, Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody listen to me. Jesus said, on the last day, many, that's the word Jesus uses, and we're about done here, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Jesus doesn't deny they did it. Then he will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. See, the question that we got to ask is this, not do I know Jesus, I, know all, I, knew, I knew about Jesus when I was five years old. Does Jesus know me? You know, I've shared the story a hundred times here about spending a night at a NASCAR driver's house. True story. Went with three of my buddies to a preaching conference in Greensboro. My buddy said, I know this person. I said, well, he just won the points championship like two or three years ago. He said, yeah. He says, we can stay at his house. I said, let's do it. He was racing at Miami, so he wasn't there. His wife was there. So we go to this home. We talk to her. We, we browse through their stuff. They, she shows us our bed that we're going to sleep in. We go to this conference, come back that night. We stay, get up in the morning. She says, now he wants to meet you guys in the morning. He'll fly in after the race. Okay. We get up that next morning. We're talking. I said, man, there's a guy. There's a guy. I mean, he didn't know last night I was walking around with his trophy. Okay. She said, make yourself at home. I just did. All right. So here we are. And I said, hey, I forgot a belt. I said, I hate to ask you, but we're going to this church. It's a big church. You got a belt? He said, sure. Try this one on, Jamie. It was a size 28. I said, brother, 1984 is over. I wore that back in 1984. These race car drivers are really short, okay? So after the, it was over, he says, you guys come back because my wife wants to make y'all a meal. So we come back. We, she makes us a meal. He was gone with sponsors. We're talking up a storm. I'm telling everybody I met this person. 
for Facebook, so it wasn't all over Facebook. And I said, you know, I met this person. We're friends. And we're like this. And I remember Scotty Barnes had a fundraiser in Charlotte. And she says, I'm going to ask those people to come. I said, you do it. Tell them, tell them Jamie Steele said so. True story. So we're sitting at a table. It's me and Renee, some other people. The driver wasn't there, but his wife was. We ate, she made me key lime pie. This is about four months later. So we're sitting there. Of course, she's late, ladies. And she comes in, right? She says, hey to everybody. She sits down, introduces herself, looks at me and says, hey, my name is so-and-so. What's your name? See, I knew her. Well, she didn't know me. We had an acquaintance. Now listen to me. There's going to be a whole bunch of people on Judgment Day. You're going to have T-shirts. You're going to be able to sing the songs to Just As I Am and Amazing Grace. But all you have is an acquaintance with Jesus. That's all you have is an acquaintance. You know about him, but you don't know him, and he don't know you. Today is the day of salvation, amen? Listen, when I think about that foreknowledge, before God loved, God loved you so much today, church, that his son bore God's wrath and my sin on the cross. He bore it on the cross. It's not how he died, it's why he died that made it so difficult. He bore your sin and God's wrath. That's how much you're loved today. See, you may go to hell unsaved, but you will not go unloved. You are loved more than you'll ever know. And what God says is because of that, he says this. Who's the elect? Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Aren't you thankful? I want you to stand with me as our musicians come. We're not going to give a long invitation. As they're coming, I want you to think about this psalm that David wrote when he was thinking about the love that God has for him. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And this will be my prayer. I'm going to just read a section of scripture before, before we go into this invitation time. Paul saying this to the church at Ephesus, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. As Sharon leads us in this song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning and give God honor and glory with your life. This altar is open if you need it this morning. If you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Jesus and you'd like to be born again, I would encourage you now in your own words to let the Lord know that you're a sinner, that you need forgiveness, and today, for the first time, you're placing your faith and trust in the resurrected Christ. And ask the Lord to save you today. You've known all about Him, but today you're going to know Him. And after this service is over, if you'd like to talk to myself or any of the staff, we'll be here this week. We'll be here. And if you're a Christian today, elect, loved by God, why don't you just take a moment and thank God for your salvation? Thank God for your salvation. Father, as we come to you in prayer today, Lord, I pray that this church and myself would understand and know, as Paul told the church at Ephesus, how high, how wide, how long... How deep is your love for us? Lord, as human beings, it's hard for us to fathom, but Lord, we know that you love us deeply. And Father, if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. And Father, help us to be like Paul, to endure all things for those that don't know you. 
that they may obtain salvation for your honor and for your glory. Thank you for your word today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said together, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon and hope to see you back here at 5. Thank you.